Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm Simon Sweetman, and this must be episode 62. I had a chat with Wellington-based writer Sarah Jane Barnett. Um, we've we've met a couple of times through mutual friends and and you know correspond, know each other online. Um, but I invited her around to have a chat because, um, well, really because I, I I like her work. But really, what made me want to talk to her was her putting up a post saying, uh, and I don't think I actually explained this to her, but. She put up a post talking about making the decision to be a full-time writer. And uh, so I thought that that's what made me want to talk to her. So we talked through her, her life and her literary career and, 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 and her, her canon, her work. Um, but yeah, just in the last sort of couple of years, she's made this sort of full-time focus. So she's also doing excellent work as the literary editor for a website called Pantograph Punch. So she interviews authors, writes reviews, writes essays. Um, but she's a, in terms of what she's published, she's a poet. Um, she's released two excellent books. The first book I really loved. I mean, the second book is called Work, and it is a lot of work. It's intentionally quite a dense um, piece, so I need to go back to that. I certainly liked it, but the first book had some um, shorter poems in it that just blew me away. And... Uh, she reads a couple of the poems towards the end of this podcast. We have a big old uh, literary natter. We talk about um, the writing course at, at Victoria University. We talk about um, her her process. And um, I, I really enjoyed this chat because it's fun talking to writers because everyone does it differently. Everyone has a different approach. And I really uh, respect her work and her work ethic. And um, I came away from this with... with uh, a lot really and I hope that you do too this is me talking with Sarah Jane Barnett put my hands in water. I usually start with um, just sort of finding out um, where people have come from where people have come from not just geographically yeah um, where they <laughs> yeah and what 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 um, what brings them to here and what brings them to their work so so let's sort of start off in that vein so you grew up I grew up in Christchurch yeah till I was there till I was 26 and I lived in Auckland for a little bit, um, worked in Dunedin as well and mm. then I was in Palmerston North before I finally came to Wellington yeah. about 12 years ago. Um, and my kind of, I mean I've always been a creative person but I wasn't interested in visual arts and mm. so my undergrad was actually in fine arts and photography. Mm. Um, and just after I finished that degree I started working in museums so I did museum studies as well mm. and I loved that it was fantastic yeah. um, but I just wasn't a visual artist it's not for I was not for I not loved, trying not for uh, well I, <laughs> or, yeah, I think I after the degree I just I just realized I, it hadn't been the right mm. um, the right medium for me mm. and I really enjoyed it but yeah. um, and then slowly probably I think it was about 2003 I started writing poetry and I remember the first time I actually <clears throat> I just got up in the morning and I just that like you, did, you didn't do it oh I did it I, I mean, mean I wrote I mean everyone yeah. does some stuff at school yeah but, yeah but and you I didn't have, do it on your I, own I have, these, I have these very embarrassing diaries from right. yeah, yeah, with yeah. a lot of poetry in them yeah I remember it I carried a little book of Emily Dickinson's work around with me. Yeah. Um, I loved English to, at school. Just, in, just to for, emulate or just to... Just because I loved like it. Like a talisman. Yeah, like, like a, a talisman. Yeah. Um, but it never it never occurred to me to do an English degree. And I think that is because from when I was very young, I was always known as the artist. I was yeah. always drawing and making things. Yeah. Um, and so it had 
the idea had become entrenched in my identity. And I did, yeah. all, my, all my bursary subjects were art subjects, yeah, sculpture, yeah. photography, you know, and but, so on. See, I still think, <coughs> I mean, we, we don't know each other that well, but I, I still think of you as a kind of arts and crafts person because you're a, you, you're still I, a, yeah. a, a, a person who makes things with your hands. I do. You know? uh, and I think, yeah, I think that even, um, even the, the poetry... For me, I am definitely an on-the-page yeah. writer. I write for the page, yeah. and how it looks on the page is as important to me right. as anything else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why the poems are, on, are in all different forms, because yeah. they, uh, it, the aesthetics of the poem and how they can um, contribute to the meaning and the emotional centre of the poem mm -hmm. is very important to me. So what were you doing growing up? Like you were, I mean... Arts. And a lot of, a lot of drawing, lot of drawing. drawing cats yeah, and yeah. dragons. Um, yeah. I still have those drawings. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of drawing, and then I became interested in photography, and I did. Yeah. And I think I loved, um, especially black and white photography, for the uh, simplicity mm -hmm. um, and the process, the, the, uh, the kind of like the solitary process yeah. of creating, yeah. I found very enjoyable but but the the same thing happened when I started writing poetry mm -hmm. and um and then just slowly I uh you know wrote more and more and then I did a continuing education course with James Norcliffe at yeah. Canterbury and that's when he said you need to try and publish some of these things and so I you know sent my first poem to the press yeah and the um the poetry editor at the time was Bernadette Hall who yeah. happened to have been my neighbour for my entire childhood. Yeah, yeah. I never because it's New Zealand. Yeah, because it's New Zealand. And I never knew that she um, yeah. I never knew that she was a you know, a writer when mm. I was young because mm. you're completely she was just the focused. Store. She's just a yeah, yeah, my neighbour. Yeah. You know, as a kid you're completely focused on your own stuff. Yeah, of course. And and so she helped me shape that poem. Yeah. So it was publishable and then and then it just went from there and then the MA and Yeah. You know, the the first book and the PhD and the second book and which sounds very intense, and yeah, and I think it probably, <laughs> I think it probably is, and I kind of, I want to unpack that a little, and then also um, get into, I guess, some of the the actual writing work that you're doing, and and, and the shape of these poems which you referenced. Um, so, what year did you do the eBay? It was two thousand and six, yeah, and I had, I just quit my job in Palmerston North, which was working with the um, art collection at the gallery mm. there. It was mm. an amazing collection um, to go overseas. And I'd booked a, a one-way ticket. And that was also the time that I met my now husband yeah. just before I left. And I went overseas. I travelled and um, spent a lot of time also uh, studying yoga in an ashram in India. Mm. And... I wasn't sure what I was going to do, and if I, like, if I got into the course, I would come back, and if I didn't, I You'd wasn't sure that I could still be in that yoga ashram, yeah. you know, or and um, <laughs> I could, or you know, it, it it was really up in the air, yeah, um, and yeah, I got into the course and came back and you. Your application is successful, but how do you feel about it at the time? Like, how uh, intense is it putting something together and hoping for something like that? Like, obviously, you got in, so... Yeah, it was, it know. was really... I mean, I I think I was quite 
kind of sanguine about it. I was like, well, mm. what will happen will happen, and yeah, yeah. I just have to respond. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you can't know until you get that letter. No, <laughs> and I was really green. It was a really. Yeah. I think that year was um, much harder for me as a writer than the PhD. Right. <clears throat> because by the time I got to the PhD, I felt like I had a, some sort of grip on how to write. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I'd been writing by myself, and I'd never been in a workshop environment, and I I hadn't done an undergrad in English. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Coming. So you're not even used to the, you know, the tutorials no. in an English thing, which no. which are kind of, as I understand it, probably a, sim- a, a simple version of what actually happens in, the, in parts of the MA in terms of the dis- group discussion stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, every pretty much everything that year that I wrote, like it it went nowhere. A few poems yeah. I published at the end of the year, but it was yeah. that year for me was learning how to be part of a workshop group. Yeah. That was the most important part of that year. And mm-hmm. and learning how much I didn't know. And what was the group like? Was it Oh, they were amazing. It was and it was I think um because I think now they they have you know yeah. the poets in one group and mm. the novelists and Yeah, it was multidisciplinary. Yeah, it was. Well, it? And I found that and and the writing group that I am still part of is multidisciplined. Yeah. And I think that has really shaped my work because my work has become more and more narrative yeah um and i think if i'd been in a group of poets it, it might have been a bit different but also after after the ma i started to try and write short stories just to uh, experiment with different ways of writing they were yeah. really bad yeah um but when i came back to writing poetry i started to realize that i was interested in how to write narrative poems did you because i've talked to a few people both <coughs> i mean on the podcast about the that ma a couple of people and and i mean my wife did it in i think 2001 but um so i know a wee bit about it but um how did you have a situation where you know you had to learn to to gather and process this feedback from people did you have a situation where you were kind of uh, even if momentarily like kind of crushed by Someone, oh. you know, how grueling, can you sort of describe for people who don't know how grueling it can be to be in this small room, like in terms of the number, it's only a dozen people or so. Yeah, I think it's it was ten, yeah. ten of us. Yeah, so it's never... And brought, Damien. Yeah. So... Oh, yeah, and so you were doing it under... Damien. Under Damien. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, and he was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it was grueling, but I think also... For someone who was a more experienced writer, it wouldn't be as gruelling. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's what I mean for you, because yeah, for, it's for me, a, real, a real frying pan and fire situation for you all at once. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, part of that is just because I hadn't mm, found, well, my, found my voice yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I didn't have enough confidence. Mm. Um, I mean, I was still in my 20s. Uh, I didn't really have enough confidence to step into that voice. Mm-hmm. Um I think because it's scary. It's scary yeah. to do that. Uh, it's much easier to to write something that you know that you are distanced from, yeah. and then if people reject that, yeah. then you still have that distance from it. I find people have this sort of like everyone knows the sort of rhetoric around it. Everyone says like, you know, oh yeah, I'm aware of murder your darlings, and you know, yep, fine. But when when actually challenged with that directly, and told, and maybe not told this brutally, but told like. That line or that passage is a stinker that needs to be removed. <laughs> you know, it's it, re- hard. It's it hard really to does hurt, even for people who think, "Oh, yeah, yeah, no, look, I know, I'm gonna." Because your version to your version of what's missing or not right is completely different from someone else's. 
and so you maybe don't recognise that the the darlings you've murdered aren't the ones that should have gone in someone else's eye, you know. And I, th- I think yeah. that you should never really. I mean, you you have to get better at taking criticism. Yeah. But you should never stop feeling bad about yeah. it because yeah. if you stop feeling bad, then that means that you don't care about your work. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, all through my PhD, I say to my my um, my primary supervisor, I said to him at the end of the PhD that after every meeting, mm. I would go away and cry. Yeah. Just through the not because it was. I mean, the the meetings were fantastic and encouraging and yeah. supportive, but because it is hard. Yeah. And it is hard work to get work to somewhere that where it's not just good but shining. Yeah, you yeah. Know, where it's going to touch someone. Yeah. And so. Yeah, you work really hard and then you give it to them and then they say, well, this is good, but this here, what's this? And then, yeah, yeah. and you, and it's, yeah, it's that, that kind of feeling. So, so you make it through that year. Yeah. <laughs> like a, Just. like a survivor, you crawl to the yeah. end and I don't, you... I don't write for quite a long time. I think it was eight or nine months. After? Yeah. And that's when I, then I wrote some short stories too. Right. So I was going to say, what well, what's your feeling immediately at the end of it? Like. Shell, yeah, shell shock, <laughs> yeah. but not. This was a waste of time. Just no. this is so much to process to yeah. to deal with, and it's been good. But I still need to know what yeah. I'm what I'm taking from it and I what mean, I'm going to really, do next. Yeah, what uh, I examined um, one of the masters' um, portfolios. Yeah. Uh, last year, year before, yeah, and I wrote a big, you know, long letter and feedback yeah, yeah. and everything. And at the end, I said this is just the beginning, don't see this as the end point. Mm. This is actually just the first step, because then it's now what you do. And yeah. that's how I felt, is that I, f- I felt like I'd opened the door and I'd realised yeah. how massive the endeavour was going to be. Mm. And then it was sort of integrating that, and then and then actually having to decide, do I want to do this? Like, do I actually want to be a writer and with the knowledge of how hard it was going to be. Yeah. Like, f- for me, you know, in terms of financially and yeah, yeah. See, and I'm, emotionally. I'm, I'm actually only just remembering that I did, I, I was thinking, um, when I first moved here to do university, the, I think the course must have just started. It was an undergraduate thing only, like there was no, no EMA to begin with. And, you know, I applied a couple of times for the, poetry course as it was and did get in and then when I when I went back to finish some uh, papers like sort of more more as an adult and finish my degree um I did get into it did that undergraduate thing and I remember receiving that it was pretty 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 easy and fun like it was really just like it was a great excuse to turn up each week and and have something prompting you to do some writing yeah obviously to read further it's a much this is a much simpler version than the than the MA much smaller but, um, yeah, I, I, it's just sort of reminded me that when I got my final assessment, the um, the guy that assessed me was, was really harsh. So much so that the the, ch- the teacher, the lecturer, whatever, the, the guy running the course, he sort of took me aside and said, I need to give you a warning about this, like, uh, you know, check it out. And so I read it, and my response was like, well, this guy's a fuckwit, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And, you know, <laughs> and then... Maybe, I don't know how much after that, I sort of just sort of filed it and thought, whatever. And then a couple of months later, I looked back at it and I was like, this guy's 
making some pretty good points. Yeah. And then, you know, I just sort of... about the delivery, isn't it, it was, as well? Well, I think his delivery was probably fine too, really, maybe. I mean, I definitely, I definitely am sure that he and I operate so differently as to not really probably find a meeting of the minds. But I remember reading that sort of judgment or whatever you call it uh, many years later and just go, man, this guy's spot on, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, so that's, yeah. I'm just thinking about my, and I just did it as a little sort of fun thing to do. And I didn't take, apart from my immediate reaction, I didn't really take offence to what he said. I just thought, oh, he's wrong. He wasn't wrong at all. He was spot on, you know? Well, you have to be... But that's, I mean, how I long, but that's how long it took. I'm talking like five or six years for me to finally revisit it and go... Bang on, you know, this guy. I find that in my yeah. in my students, because I yep. teach at yeah. Massey and I teach stage one and two poetry and fiction, and some people are ready for feedback yeah. and are ready to hear it and some people aren't. Yeah. And you just have to, I mean, as a teacher, I just try to meet them where they are. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it is harder when somebody is giving feedback and yeah. they are not directly meeting with that person mm, mm. so when it's just mm. a written piece of feedback then it, you, there's no relationship no yeah yeah uh, it, it is a lot harder yeah so okay so so back to you you crawl you crawl to the end you <laughs> take you take yeah. several months out you start writing short stories and then i did um the iowa summer course yeah to get back into writing poetry um to find a way back in yeah to find a way back in and it was it must have been around that time that I um, joined the um, the writers group that I'm part of now. Yeah. Um, which this was is a the, the private and formal type thing. Yes. Yeah, and it was we were in a zipper studio on right. Tennyson Street, yeah. and this group is still going now, ten years later. Wow. Um, and we still meet. How regularly? Probably it it varies depending on how much everyone is writing. Yeah. Um, probably every three months. Right. Four months. Um, yeah. But we also, you know, see each this, other regularly, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like at things. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that those those two things together, doing a structured course that got me back into writing, and then I remembered that I could write. Yeah. Um, and then joining the the group, and both of those things started to encourage me to write. And then I actually took some time off work, so regular time every week, and put it aside to write. And that's when I started writing the death row poems that are in my first book. Yeah. Um, and and just kept on working and tried to get the collection published and it was yeah. turned down by everyone. Um, and and I think rightly so. So I tried to get one... one when you say rightly so... Well, I think the first one I tried wasn't good enough. I'm glad it wasn't published. Mm. Um, and the second one... Uh, there's a, I mean, there's a difference between a good poem and a good collection. Or you can yeah. have a collection of good poems, but that doesn't make a good book. Yeah. And so eventually, um, when Chloe from Hear and Cry approached me, what she and uh, Laurie, who was editing the book, helped mm. me do mm. was to order it in a way yeah. and that made it a good book. Because um, I always think, like, that maybe this is just my association from, from sort of primarily writing about music, but I look at collections of poetry like little albums in the same yeah. way that just what you said, like you can have a collection of songs and it's not a good album. Yes. You can have a great album and maybe it doesn't have all of that artist's biggest hits on it, but it's something holds it together in the way that it's been themed. And I, I've always sort of thought that way about when I read poetry volumes, they're like little 
you know, alternatives to an album. Yeah, they yeah. should. The, the experience should be that you are engaging yeah. with something that has parts, but those parts make up a whole. Yeah. And when I review collections yeah. of poetry, that's also in the way you well. yeah in the way a reader would revisit it more so than they would a novel or short stories generally you know like they can dip in and out of it just like you would an album yeah you know, yeah you I always go just back play, and read you my might favorite just, poems you <laughs> might just play side two of a record it might be your favorite so like the second half or a sequence within a book of poems might be your favorite that you read more than the thing cover to cover yeah 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 so that I mean that's where really and that by just I think when Chloe had said we want to publish this book. That was about when I, I've been working in government, I've been working in IT, which was not a good <laughs> environment for me. Um, and I just applied to do, and I've been, I think I'd been teaching for a year by then um, yeah. at Massey as well at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'd been thinking about doing a PhD, and then Brian Walpit, who who was the person I was working with with the teaching, yeah. he said why don't you do one at Massey? And we worked on a proposal together and he was my, my supervisor. Um, and he and my other supervisor, Jack Rosser, who I dedicated the second book to, and Chloe, um, just because that, doing the PhD, is really what what made me in, in terms of not, not only I feel as a writer, but also as being able to understand what I want to do in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, the process was amazing and it taught me so much more than I... I was so resistant to some parts of it, especially the literary criticism. Yeah, yeah. I did not want to go there and they had to drag me <laughs> yeah. into that into that part. I wanted to write, you know, a collection of poems, but... Um, and I'm still not very good at that sort of critical, like academic critical writing. Mm. But um, it just... See, I don't really know. open things up for me. I don't know about that. I, I was thinking, like, um, you're kind of, like, um, certainly getting towards you know, um, the the kind of old-school poet who is a critic as well, or critic who, who writes poetry, you know, like your T.S. Eliot's and, and so forth, that, that become very good in both disciplines. I sort of feel like you're more um, reviewing and, and interviewing work and, and things that you're doing um, are, are their own skill that you're very, very good at. Thank you. I, I do think that it's... I mean, it's something that I want to do more of. Yeah. And um, I th it definitely... I mean, it feeds into my writing, but it's something yeah, by itself. Separate. But I think that's a long way from kind of academic sure, critical sure. writing. Yeah, of course. It's somewhere in between, and I'm more interested in that place where I can um, bring out the, the person... Who is the writer? That's yeah. why I love interviewing yeah. because I mean everybody wants to meet the writer if they love their book. You know, yeah, they want yeah, yeah. they want some insight into that person, yeah, that yeah. person's world and yeah. life and um, and I think writers want someone who can engage with them about their work yeah. um, on a deep level and also as a person. Yeah. So yeah. they're not just getting the same questions over yeah. and over again. Yeah, yeah. Um, how long did it take you to write the book? <laughs> when, you know, that sort of <laughs> the, thing. Like, what, the first book, it took me six years. No, I mean, that, that, <laughs> oh, that, that dumb question would oh, come yeah. up. And, and, and uh, you know, and what's a good time to write? You know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and I do always ask people. I'm always they're not, they're actually not dumb questions, but well, they are I'm if always... you don't have uh, a follow-up to the board or yeah. whatever. Like, 
I'm always interested in, in when... Of, of course, because you're a writer write, too, yeah. so you want to know like what someone else's process is. But also shows so much about them as a person. So there's some, like, there are some, you know, like, the writers who get up at five o'clock every mm, morning mm, and write for an hour. Mm, or two. And then, yeah. And then, and then shower go and go to work. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, who are those people? Yeah. Because that is not me. Yeah. And, but then there are, you know, like, I interviewed a writer last week and he said, oh, I just, you know, I write when something is important enough to me that it can, that I can't not write about it. Mm, so he mm. said he writes very infrequently. Wow. Um, and I was like, oh, that's fascinating. So so there are di- I find that people have really different drives mm. to produce. Um, and I, I, I don't, I mean, that has, I think, in part to do with where you are in your career as yeah, well. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of, I mean, for writers, there's a lot of pressure to get the first book out and then yeah. maybe there will be a lot of pressure to say get like the fifth book out you know like I don't know quite how it works but mm. well maybe you should answer that question about how long it took to write particularly the first oh, yeah. book because, because because I guess it was around <laughs> that one was hovering around in, in a couple of different versions right yeah 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 no yeah so that took six years yeah um so that was 2012 it came out and yeah. then um so that's a man runs into a woman yeah and then work I wrote some of it came from the PhD right um and then I got a, a grant from Creative New Zealand. So when I finished the PhD, I then basically worked full-time on it for seven months. Yeah. And, well, full-time, as in all the time I had outside yeah. of taking care of my son. Yeah, yeah. So, um... Stolen moments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I it, was, it was... I know about those. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah. And that was... And I was really primed to write it. Mm. Because the, the thing with the PhD is that you're, you're writing towards a research question yes so i by the end of it i felt very constrained and frustrated i was just going to ask could, if you could explain the the difference in intensity and process between the phd and the ma like basically that the phd is a, is a solo pursuit it is whereas the ma even though you're producing work and you're being graded on your own it is kind of a team effort and that you all share at work you all comment on each other's work and that goes some way towards what you produce, right? Yeah, yeah. Although at at Vic, so I did my my PhD through Massey. At Vic, they do the PhD students do workshops. Oh right, okay. But I um, I didn't want to workshop with my PhD. Yeah. I felt that part of what I wanted the PhD to do was to allow me to have a writing, like create a writing life, a writing discipline. Mm in a solitary way, mm. so where I didn't have deadlines, where it had to be all self-motivated. Uh, so when I w- so when I didn't have a grant, or when I didn't have a PhD I was working towards, I could continue to write. Mm. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was really, it was really different, the, but because the, the master's was, you know, I could write anything. Mm. I just had to write some poems and, mm. and, mm. um, and it was much more guided, whereas mm. the PhD, it was my project and, and I was really guiding it, and I was the one in the end who made the decisions about, you know, what would go in and what wouldn't. I mean, I was advised by my supervisor. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it was... And you have a book out at this point, so you have sort of runs on the board and, and the way that people look at writing. You know, yeah. a, lot, a lot of people, particularly I would say people who don't write or, or, or don't write to publish think that the grand statement still is getting a book out and in many ways it is and so you've got that you've got those runs on the board you've got that business card 
you've got. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite, I mean, it's, yeah, I find it, if, I mean, it's fascinating in a way because I look at my two collections and I'm much prouder of my second really? collection. Much prouder. Yeah. I think it's a much more complex, more accomplished work. Um, and do, you, do you think that's because the first one existed through like being rejected like it had it existed through a few different stages and you wish you were reshaping it I think I yeah I just think also I was a different a different writer but the first one was of course you know shortlisted for the book awards mm. and it got a lot more attention yeah and the second one you know got good reviews but it and so it's, it's such an yeah. interesting thing that that runs on the board yeah um, idea yeah because the work that you can be the most proud of is sometimes yeah, not, yeah. Not the work that other people are aware of or know, or yeah, yeah or think as good as is good or whatever. See, I mean, I I, I really admire the second book work. Um, it's probably far too clever for me. I need to read it again. <laughs> like I I read it and I went wow. Like I was in, in awe of the um, what you're doing with poems, like how far you're stretching them. You know, towards monologues. It's hard though, isn't it? Monologues and dialogues. <laughs> it's, it is a hard book, and that that doesn't make me shy away from it. That's great, yeah. but it is sometimes you want, um, you know, your comfort food with reading and stuff as well. Which is much what, more the first book. Well, the first book, yeah, and I can see how you you particularly would think that having, in many ways, moved on from it, you're a different person to who you are. You know, we all are years down from when we do certain pieces of work, but I. That, that book, that first book, I thought, um, I was kind of amazed by how, how if not how clever that is, but how deep that is, because it's a, it's kind of a deeply personal book that's mm. also got these sort of like, it, it looks like, to, to begin with, on a first reading, you're quite detached and observational, but it's actually a very deeply personal book, and you sort of manage to, I guess, straddle those and twine those and bounce between them or whatever and um, shift those hats very and muddle those metaphors um, <laughs> you know, very 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 well like so I and I wanted to I mean you mentioned it one of the things I, I probably I think too that sold me on that first book so much was um, those death row poems and you mentioned yeah. you mentioned setting aside time. I wanted to, I wonder if we could talk a little bit if you could explain those and also talk a little bit about um, the effect of them, of creating them um, for yourself and how you kinda of deal with that, how you unpacked from it. Yeah, it was I mean it was um it was quite a while ago now, but it's you know, it was very clear it's a very clear memory mm. for me mm. writing them and I, I used to go write in an internet cafe in town so I'd leave right. work and go yeah. into a room full of people which was nice because they're all playing the games checking their email doing exactly. whatever else yeah. and I'm writing about people <laughs> raping and killing other people mm. um, I think I'd I'd written um, I'd written previously a, a poem about um, a hanging and that is kind of where the death row um, idea was sparked mm, because mm. I then was looking, there was, you know, like certain information about how you hang a person and then that led me on to reading the last words of people on death row. And yeah. I was just, I was struck by the um, the humanity the and the compassion and the self-knowledge and some of 
those last words. And then also you can read the police reports. This is all online. You can read mm, the police mm. reports as well. And the police reports are in this very official language. So it's very um, kind of stark and um, factual about yeah. what has happened. And I just started thinking about how how different types of language can tell a story. And I, I think I also wanted to understand... Um, I wanted to understand how people could hurt other people and try and have empathy with these people that most people would not want to have any mm. empathy they don't want any, for. Yeah, yeah, anything to do with them yeah. because of the one story that defines them. Yes, <coughs> and I think that um, most people, I think there are very few psychopaths in the world. Mm. Um, and I think most people who commit horrible crimes have had horrible crimes committed upon them. And I just, yeah, it, it, I was just compelled to write about it. And it was really, I mean, it was hard. I had to also remember that these are real people mm. and, and many of them have been executed um, and they caused real pain in the world. But I think the observational, the non-judgmental language, um, and also sometimes I tried to make um, the language beautiful to even combat mm. some of the violence in the mm. poems um, was to almost present a neutral, something neutral for the reader so the mm. reader could then start to try, you know, maybe find those themes themselves. Mm -hmm. um, because if I'd written a very judgmental poem, then it would just, you know, it, would, well, I read, it, it leaves no space. I um, read them thinking of, I mean, most obviously to, to the mainstream. In terms of songwriting, people think of Nick Cave and Johnny Cash as people Johnny who have, Cash, you know, yeah. have, have have done these murder ballads and and have done quite beautiful things with uh, both the musical language and and the um, and the lyrics. I'm, I mean, I am a, a Johnny Cash. Right, fan. right. But I was thinking, like, there is this whole lineage and tradition of of murder ballads, and in a way, I mean, maybe in terms of how they originated, it's more from. Um, folklore, hearsay, stories being passed down that the internet research, but yeah. you know, but it's a similar. You know, when I was reading them, I thought, again, thinking of my my and my way that I do that a collection of poems is a little bit like an album. It was like, oh, here's a sequence of murder ballads, which is kind of one reading of them, right? That's sort of yes. what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, there were more of them, so they I mm. had written more, and we cut mm. them down to the ones that kind of. Yeah, no, it's that editing yeah. process that resonated. But what effect does it have on you, even just doing that research? I mean, are you, are you, are you saying that you finish work, go to an internet cafe, look up police records, bit by bit, put down these poems, go home, cook the family dinner, or join, join the family for dinner, or what? You know, whatever process happens. Next. Go home, drink. Yeah, well, that's what yeah. I'm wondering. Do yeah. you have to go to the gym, go for a run, yes. drink? Yes. Um, you Def know. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. In, in, in whatever um, order that is. But. Usually, usually drinking yes. after going to the gym. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it did take an emotional mm. an emotional toll on me. Um, and I think writing lots of the poems I've written, especially, um, you know, when they have been based um, even indirectly upon real yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the poem in work, um, Addis Ababa, about yeah. the man who loses his wife in the Ethiopian Civil War. I mean, that also, like, because I, I do lots of research, so that, yeah, yeah I, I, I have to feel the people I'm writing about. Otherwise, yeah. it there's, otherwise there's that distance, that emotional yeah, yeah. distance. Um, 
See, that's what, yeah, I mean, your background with the museum stuff and obviously the actual, like, PhD. I mean, you're making um, writing and poetry writing sound uh, very, not just studious, but hard-fought research to put into it, which is, which is, which is your, appro- which <laughs> which is is your approach. Which is your approach. yeah. Um, it's not, that's not going to be for everyone. No, and some I think people, it'd be quite different. Some people are not going to understand that. And that's, I think, what I've found really fascinating about your work is that it, I mean, there is no one clear definition of what a poem is or what a poem should be, I don't think. Um, but, you know, you can read your your things, your, your poems, your work, without any real facility for poetry, I think. And I think that's but then they I fit want. the bill as yeah. poet. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, uh, what you get is is quite uh, quite clever how they can kind of slip on the clothes of poetry, but they can slip out of them. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I mean, uh, in a way, that's because I'm also just so interested in in I'm interested in people and I'm interested mm. in why they do what they do. Yeah. And which is, I mean, there's no doubt an interest in myself and why I do what I do. Mm. You know, every, mm. I mean, in a way, every poem is is autobiographical and trying to figure out mm. how people work and how I work, mm. and um, so and to, to really get into that, I think and, I need a character and narrative, and spiritual and philosophical, and those sorts of things yeah. too as part of that. But but also, you are like I, I read them, but I think um, you know, much like the last two PJ Harvey albums, that they're kind of a form of journalism. You know, there's element. Obviously, the death row poems are a form of journalism, and then, particularly, I think the stuff that's going on at work, those longer poems that yeah. that, that almost present like theatrical monologues or dialogues. You know. Or, well, yeah, and like and, uh, uh, you know, last year we yeah. turned one of the poems from work into a theatre piece. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm actually writing for like, you know, something. Yeah. And it, and it, it worked. I mean, it worked pretty well. Yeah. It, it was a little bit um, because it's quite dense it, I think it could have done with more mm. like cutting but yeah 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 it's and I, I think I am interested in because that's also what I like to read so I like to read mm. a lot of non-fiction um I like to read you know like every weekend I'll go read the the long read on the Guardian yeah and, yeah right so I like to read about people in the world I listen to a lot of um NPR yeah you know podcasts and, yeah yeah and uh, and um, um, podcasts are well I guess like NPR and stuff has been doing it for a while that way, but these big feature podcasts like Serial and stuff that yeah. capture everyone's attention, but they're again like a kind of a new form of journalism, even though they're really an old form of journalism. You know, just just re- just recontextualized. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's I think yes. I mean that is I mean yeah. and the 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 stuff that I'm doing for the Pantograph Punch and the sorts of poems I'm writing and. They all, I think, come to that mm. same place of, I want to create something beautiful yeah. that will, when someone comes to it and reads it, that something true will resonate in them. Yeah. Um, and they just have slightly different forms. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I'm working on my next book at the moment, and I'm not quite sure what, what? form it's <laughs> yeah, going to Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, so it's, <laughs> but it's poems. It, yeah, uh, for it will, it of a, it you will know, be for a single poem. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. So, but I think it will have more parts or, essayistic yeah, yeah. parts to it. Yeah, or, right. I don't know, yeah. Which is where you're sort of going at work as well. That's another, you know, that's definitely another yeah. area that that book goes into. I mean, the... And I really don't, I mean, I'm, you know, as I said before that, all the poems are 
mm. sort of autobiographical, but also I don't want to write about myself. Yeah, yeah. So it's I really want to write about other people and their experiences and and the, the like your a common eyes, humanity. Through your yeah, eyes. yeah. Obviously, it's Obviously. always yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. I'm always like you know, yeah. a puppeteer and trying yeah. to yeah, yeah, um, and a narrator that's trying to kind of hide hide themselves yeah. in, in, in the lines or in my fandom. Um, so before we get into Pantograph Punch and a couple of other things, um, you mentioned enjoy Johnny Cash and I thought um, I might as well ask one of those trite staple questions uh, someone asks a writer <laughs> which is about because because we haven't really talked too much about other writers beyond you mentioning the Emily Dickinson poems so what what have been some of the key writers or or um, influences like the podcasts and say Johnny Cash whatever songwriters that that you've really gravitated or that have, had, yeah. that have had really important big eureka moments for you? or Well, the first would be Robert Haas. Right. So yeah. he's the poet I wrote my PhD yeah. on. Yeah. Um, and I, I, uh, I saw him first read, it must have been 2006, at the Writers' Festival here, and I was mm. right at the front. And he was reading his poems. And it was the first time that I've been, I was moved to tears by a, mm. a reader. Mm. And then I've just loved him ever since. And it actually made writing the PhD difficult because I had to write from a distanced academic, you know, kind yeah, of yeah. stance about his, his work. Whereas, whereas you, had a, you had a fan reaction. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you had a, and so you my know. supervisor, would, Brian, would always be like, you know, you're, you're loving him too much here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had to kind of pull back you on had that. To, um, reduce him from, from being the rock star in your mind that he was yeah. to to putting him he's under still the... a rock star <laughs> i still i still read his work and yeah. it's like it is like magic to me and i last year um i was in san francisco and I'd, i emailed him and said do you want to meet up oh that's right i remember seeing yeah it on your and so yeah, yeah, yeah. i caught the train out to berkeley yeah. and he came and picked me up at the train station <laughs> and we went and had a coffee together and he drove me around the campus yeah. and had a great talk for a few hours and then isn't that amazing when yeah. stuff like that happens and it, it was you know? it was insane it was like i don't know like meeting jesus or something mm. you know like i was i the, there was the one person in the world that i wanted to meet i have a um, and he had a cup of tea with me sort of i have a I just, yeah i have a story on tape that i haven't put out yet because uh, there's more, more to come on that podcast but jules desmond i don't know if you know him he's a local musician he he found himself last year in uh Henry Rollins's house because Henry Rollins had played some of Jules's music on his radio show and through there they had connected and then when he said oh, I'm coming to America and Henry Rollins drives down to the record store and picks him up takes him to his house and spends like five hours working through his record collection with him and stuff and you know it's amazing how accessible these people that we revere as and I guess my version of that is also in San Francisco about five years ago um emailing Sylvie Simmons who's who's always been one of my favourite music writers and um, and someone had given me her email address and I was actually just trying to connect with her to do a phone interview or something when I got back but because I was on holiday I sent it and I didn't know where she was in the States and, and when I wrote to her she said oh are you here now are you in the Bay Area I'm like yeah I'm staying in San Francisco and she's like oh here's my number give me a ring and wow. so 10 minutes later I'm talking to her and then two days on from there I've got a cab round to her place to have a cup of tea to you know hear first hand all her stories of you know interviewing Neil Young and 
you know, she was she she was right in the middle of writing her Leonard Cohen biography at that point. I bet that was was that amazing for you. It was great, yeah. And yeah. I mean, and, and the weird thing is, she's actually stayed here since because she was caught in Wellington uh, without a place to stay when she came over when the book was published. So she stayed here. I went to a craft work gig with her in Sydney um, because we were in Sydney at the same time. And then last year, I've been back and did a podcast with her. Went to her house and recorded a conversation with her about all all of that stuff and of course all of the things she's done but just a simple email to someone and they respond with that and next thing you're sitting there with a person that you what I what I've found and also interviewing I mean mm. people you know I, I've interviewed a, f- a few you know famous yeah. writers and yeah. people say oh how did you how did you interview them and I'm yeah. like oh I just emailed and asked yeah and I think the reality is is that most people apart from that real top tier celebrity are just yes. yeah are really wow. just people who I, are, you know, I have think, their own If anything, maybe on. particularly with writers too, yeah. because it's the cliches do exist for a reason, it is a solitary craft it is, you know you don't know what a person's like from their writing, but you instantly get a picture, or you want to get a picture of it so you want to, and as much as you want to find that out some writers quite like to, to offer that up too, they want to explain themselves, or at least explain their work, because they are so connected their work they mm. they don't just sit and punch it out at working hours they live with it non-stop yeah so i think you know and they and they can even the most famous writers usually walk down the street without being you know for yeah, stuff yeah yeah which is great <laughs> so, so why not talk to people you know why not yeah. give people the you know it's not gonna they're not gonna get um yeah, so you're right, though. It's amazing what can be achieved by just an email in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in terms of New Zealand writers, um, I think Anne Kennedy is yeah. someone who has really influenced me through her l- long, you know, kind of narrative mm. poems and also her, um, like, uh, her book, uh, Time of the Giants, had that kind of surrealist aspect mm, to it, mm. um, all kind of sort of fantasy, mm. and that I think has allowed me to move into more speculative, you know, poetry. Yeah, and yeah. To, to have some freedom around that. Yeah. Um, but and also Paula Green as well. I think her work, um, her, you know, she's just such a breadth. Or, you know, yeah. All her collections are different. Yeah. I find them amazing and. Yeah. Just. Yeah, inspirational. And then there are also, you know, my peers, uh, Joan Fleming. Yeah. Her work, I, every time I come to it, I it feels so clear and beautiful to me. Um, it's it's just like having Joan in the room. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I find myself um, inspired all the time. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, new writers uh, like uh, Gregory Kahn, his book killed me. Mm. I just... And I still, like, I can still kind of feel reading the final pages. And that's up for, you know, the Poetry Award. Yeah, yeah. This year. I, have, yeah. I really, I mean, I think, I think um, my my guess is that one of the bigger names will win. Yeah. But I really, like, I have, I've, I'm really hopeful. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just such a beautiful collection. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, we seem to, Wellington, keep producing these really great... Po- well, writers across all disciplines, but poets—they seem to every couple of years. There's a bunch of them, and yeah. and not all just straight trotted out on the factory line from from Victoria, which people from other cities love to go on about. Like, yeah, there's and and if they have come out of that course, which you know you full well know, it's because 
it's a pretty great course that um, allows people it to is. really find themselves, find their voice, um, you know, work out what, what they want to be doing. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's a, um, a misun like, I think people who haven't done the course and really don't know much about the course mm. think that it, it, you know, you do, it's almost like you go directly from the course to Fergus's yes. office at yeah. the UP, but that is not at all yeah. how it works. I mean, the course gives you lots of tools, but really the writers who have gone on to be published mm. are the ones that were ready to be published when they mm. came in mm. um, and were already, you know, at that that point mm. so I mean the I think that all I mean all across the country that's something that I want you know like with the pantograph punch that I've been really aware of is that I have roots in Wellington yeah. I know so many people in Wellington and so I have to be careful not to just yeah. talk to people from Wellington yeah 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 people from Wellington and so I've been trying to get like a countrywide yeah spread and even some international yeah with you know obviously with the the festivals and the writers, readers and stuff, yeah. So, well, let's talk a bit about Pantograph Punch. Can you, what's your association, like, how did you come to it? And, and also, for anyone who doesn't know what it is, what is it? Um, um, it's an online art journal. So it has um, a bunch of editors. So I'm the books editor or the literature editor. Um, I I was I was originally, well, I started out just writing for them, writing reviews yeah. and mm. um and essays and then they asked me to kind of pitch mm. for the um, editor position so I gave them my vision of what I wanted to do and yeah and then they they brought on a whole lot of new editors so we've got editors for you know visual arts and screen and um, mm. and we've got some more general editors who do society music um, and of course books yeah and so yeah I and we all we're, we're spread um, Australia and New Zealand yeah, yeah. And we all mostly talk online yeah. um, and commission writers to do reviews um, so we, you know, like the uh, the theatre editors, they did all the fringe mm. reviews which were amazing mm. um, and It's a good place to go for a bunch of really great writing put, yeah. sim put simply, I was yeah. going to say it's almost like a kind of this part of the world version of like a long reads or something but with with an arts focus you know, yeah with like, an arts focus yeah. definitely and I mean there are because some... these are things that go in when I say long reads that you know they're not like brutally long but these are things that go in depth rather yes. than just a and that's quick why review. really yeah. why I wanted to work for them mm. because um so I mean I often see the pantograph punch and now the spin-off yeah. as the two sides of the Yes, I was I was just going to I was going to always say it's like a slightly more serious version of the spin-off or yeah. something maybe but that's that's not quite well, right either like I mean some of our writers are very funny but yeah. I'm not one of them. I'm just not a funny writer. It's and when I've had to write pieces that are more mm. comedic. Yeah. They've needed some heavy editing right. by people funnier than me. Yeah. Because I'm I mean what I read is serious. Yeah, I was going to say if you're if you're on if you're in an internet cafe looking at police records for rapes and hangings, yeah. you're not you're not going to an open mic night afterwards, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no and and I think that I mean I I think that yeah, like the punch and the spin-off are doing well it's really they're very complimentary in, yeah, in many I think ways so. yeah I, and i think i mean i think the spin-off is doing an amazing mm. job and i think the punch is doing an amazing job as well yeah yeah and, um, they, and it's great that they can well i mean obviously they can coexist but it's great that they can almost be talking to each other or you know or, or yeah covering things in such different ways that people don't even have a favorite they just go to both 
for different for, things. For different voices, yeah, for different things with different voices. And for me, what I really wanted was, um, when I took on the editor position, was to have a space where there could be that long-form mm. writing about New Zealand writing. Yeah. Or about international writers who were coming mm. to New Zealand. Um and yeah, interviews and reviews. Because quite often online, if something's ten or twenty thousand words, or you know even over five thousand words, it quite often doesn't have punctuation. You know, like and it's get, you know like it's on one of those websites yeah. where it's all in yeah. lowercase or all in uppercase. And, I mean, um, I think I think and probably, it can scare people off. This is like proper. Yeah, you know, proper I mean, writing. I don't know if I'd get much over four thousand words. No. like I'd start. I mean, even then, I start to because I just don't. You you don't have enough time. Mm. Um, but I just, yeah, if you I have want, that much time, you should be putting it into another book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I want, I want a place for the the writers of New Zealand as well to feel like they can write something mm, mm, of essay, substance. Yeah, of substance, and have yeah. a place where that it can go. Yeah, um, which has been really good. Yeah, and also that different, like different, um, different groups. So I've been doing like the indie roundup, which allows mm. all the little indie presses to yeah. you know get some airtime because yeah. you know publishing. My work's published with an indie press. I know yeah. it's hard to get publicity. And doing a roundup thing gives uh, gives an article still of some substance, as well as giving you know little capsule reviews within yeah. that to, to to individual titles. But it's still something to for people who because you can, you become used to the length and style of a particular website, you know. So it can be off putting or whatever. If suddenly there's a really short piece, so you know, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, so what's happening work-wise now? You're a full-time writer, or you're I, what? What are you I'm doing? About what are you doing? Six things, yeah. probably. Um, so how yeah. are you making? How are you making it work? How am I making it work? Yeah. I are you making it I, work? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I well, I teach, so I still yeah, teach, yeah. and I'll. So I've been teaching at Massey now for oh nine years, oh, eight years, mm. um, and I'll I'll continue to teach, and so then I I do as much editing work. As I can, um, and then I carve out little bits of time to do my own work as well. And I also mm. do freelance, so reviewing and yeah. I was going to say, where so like you, for the listener, yeah, and, yeah. I was going to say um, you're not just doing paragraph punch; you're doing a bit for the listener. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but maybe for the listener, but I have pulled back from writing uh, for other publications yeah. just just partially because of time, but also because uh, of money. Yeah. Um, so I think that's. I mean, that's one of the things that the punch that I wanted to do was, as an editor, to try and pay my writers as much as I could, um, and to give them a lot of freedom and how like how they reviewed. So they yeah. so it didn't have to be a Doesn't traditional a standard. Cook, yeah. Yeah. Cookie cutter thing. Um, and to, um, and to also give them. An experience of working with an editor that was very supportive mm. because I, I found it hasn't as a writer hasn't always when I've worked with different publications been supportive yeah um, in terms of um, like a you know it's quite a rigorous editing process and but also back and forth so so they don't just give me a piece of work and then it's mm. and then it's done and so that's something that's really important to me is that relationship with each writer yeah, yeah. And, and having that and yeah. I think that's how um, really good content will be created yeah, yeah absolutely um, yeah well I mean that speaks to exactly what you were saying before about 
receiving feedback from people when you don't know who they are when there's no relationship. So yeah. You know, as a, as a writer, yeah. it's, now you're in that position of kind of not just commissioning things, but being the person giving that, that feedback yeah. as well. So. I always, when people, you know, say, oh, what are you doing today? I always say, oh, I'm off to break my students' hearts. <laughs> yeah. Um, jokingly, but also, you know, like it's it's an awareness that you can do that. Yeah, that, yeah, it's a complete element um, of truth of that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so I try to not go around and break people's hearts. Because mm. people, and I, and sometimes, you know, it even still happens with me if I've worked really hard on a piece of writing mm. and mm. someone uh, doesn't, and it's amazing. Doesn't acknowledge that. Then it's I find it difficult. It's amazing the difference between, you know, people should be aware of the difference between like editing styles and what someone sees in something and what. I mean, I remember like we're talking at least ten years ago. I did, I did a few pieces for the listener and I did a um, I got commissioned to do a um, an article with an interview with the director of a film, and um, it was a big. Big thrill because it was it was Anton Corbine, so he's a photographer, music video maker, and then his first film was this biopic of Joy Division called Control. Wow. And so I talked to him and, you know, had this great interview. I'd seen his 10-minute documentary about Captain Beefheart. When I brought that up in the interview, he said, I've just done 400 interviews in a row and you're the first person to reference that. So we got on like a house on fire. So I wrote this profile for the listener, really pleased with it. At the time that... Between the interview and finishing the piece, the guy who commissioned it left the listener. A new editor came in who basically told me, yeah, I'm really not interested in that. And I said, well, I've you know, I've kind of written it and handed it and it'd be nice to be paid for it. Yeah. So he went, oh, yeah, well, we'll put it in. And then he just, like, cut, actually cut it to bits and cut the full context out of it. It wasn't like, it was only a 700 or 800 word piece. It wasn't like I'd written too much. But he he chopped it down to maybe about six hundred words, and in that edit, lost a lot of the personality and just chopping yeah. a couple of hundred words, and didn't care and clearly wasn't that interested in it because it was not his. And so then that it went out, and I kind of was I was gutted. That's tough. You know? because it's got really, your name on it. Exactly. And so it was yeah. like people. It really what it really the sense and the feel of the article was lost in the edit, and this was just another person doing a job probably because they didn't want to do it too you know like he didn't commission that so whether or not the writing was to his taste the story probably wasn't to begin with or whatever those sorts of things do happen to writers a lot yes yeah yeah people don't know that because as you say like people just see a piece of work a headline yeah a headline which you often didn't come up with and your name and then a piece of work and they assume you did the whole thing and actually you usually didn't come up with the headline and someone's quite often torn it to bits and put it back together in some order. Yeah. 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 Are, yeah. And I think maybe with a whole lot of online writing now, like maybe that has helped helped in a sense that we can, uh, you know, got the room. You know, if you, if you say to someone, write 2000 words on blah, 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 and they, and they come back and write 4000 words. If it's really good, you can you run, can, you yeah, can run you that. Can. You don't even have to part to it. You know, like you can just put that up and you know, you've got a readership that will sit in there for 4000. So there are things like that are quite good at fixing that for people. But I do, I mean, I do most of, I mean, apart from obviously books, I do most of my reading yeah. online. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and yeah, I do think that's true. And I tend to, when I commission a piece, I give them a range, writers a range. Mm, mm. Um, but if they want to go for it, you know, like if it's a thousand word review or an eight hundred word review, and they come back with fifteen hundred words yeah. of insightful stuff, I'm not going to yeah. cut it down. Yeah. I do understand that. Yeah, like print is a whole. I mean, I've never worked for a 
print publication. Yeah, yeah. So it's a whole kind of well, I wouldn't beast recommend, of I wouldn't recommend getting into that now. No, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, so yeah, I'm like, I, I don't un- really understand the pressures mm. of it. Mm. Um, yeah, well, the listener used to be, and again, this was the listener before it really had any kind of presence online too. So the listener used to be quite brutal with that stuff. You know, you'd you'd uh, you'd really, and as I say, a, a five or six hundred word piece, one hundred words knocked out of that can. It's amazing really how it. much that can change the tone. So much that I mean, I I, I remember this control interview, and I've still got the original file and. And one day I'll probably share it because it's so different from from what ended up. And that and can I think also because when you're reviewing, um, especially if you're being critical, I, I know for myself I try to do it in a way that is um, mm. productive. And if a lot of words are cut out, it can come across very harsh because Clipped you don't have any of, yeah, any yeah, of that nice ha- softening around it. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah, I I, I um reviewed the new Phil Judd album which you know is is quite good but obviously it's 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 patchy and it's messy so I wrote a longer review because it was nice to be able to to not just explain the the shortcomings in a way but also caution it by pointing out how much of a fan I was yeah in the sense that I recognized you know his working method his his approach like part of the reason that it's a shambles is because it doesn't have a producer but that's his working method he probably don't, can't afford a producer now and, and, and you know it's very much a home recording thing and I think fans of him know that that's going to be the case so yeah having those kind of having that kind of mm. it's almost filler but it's not like I like your term softening like that's yeah so what, what how <laughs> do you com- the compliment sandwich <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly what do you feel how do you feel how comfortable do you feel reviewing when you're a published uh, writer writing in the same discipline really as a lot of things that you're reviewing this has often been a problem over the years in New Zealand because we're so small yeah I do um are there things you have to turn down conflict of interest stuff don't like that person you know or don't like their work like no I'm not going to like it and so oh no I will will, or any of that I I will turn down books of people that I am too close to yeah um which ends up, you know, or I, know, I just yeah, know yeah. too Which, well. Yeah, uh, which uh, would get worse the longer you're in it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, there of yeah. So I, I mean, I do have some control over what mm. I, what I review, and I, and if it is someone, so like I reviewed um, Hera Lindsay Bird's book. Yeah. Um, but I felt like I could go into that pretty confident that I was going to like it. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, I know her so. I, I was it's a great it, it's a great book and I, I really liked your review of it like it was a really good sort of understanding oh of it yeah yeah you yeah. No, you, you, you certainly put that across well because you you didn't just flat out rave about every single aspect of it like a lot of people were which was then creating some kind of backlash before you know just as the book came out because of those viral hit poems yes yeah yeah so you sort of did a good job of tempering that like and also explaining that whole viral hit phenomenon thing yeah I will I mean I, I, I will never um not be critical about a book if yeah. I think there are yeah. issues with it um have you lost a friendship or ruined ruined temporarily some relationships yeah definitely yeah definitely I um, bet. yeah no there are people who I have um reviewed who have then not spoken to me anymore mm. um there are places that I've given 
that I've I've published reviews in, and some of the reviews have been quite critical of the books, and yeah. then they have not asked me to review again. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So it, it's mm. but I I think that um, and this is a you know like a really ongoing conversation that mm, mm. Uh, reviewing in New Zealand is um, not as good as it could be. Yeah. And that people are afraid yeah. to talk critically. Um, about each other's work and I think there are also at the same time there are lots of very good reviewers out there mm. but also the um, the amount that reviewers are paid yes, is, is the... so <laughs> and, and book reviewing is you know like I, I've, I've done a little bit of book review but I you know I've obviously done album reviewing for most of my time writing and you should still get you know you should still get paid for that and you don't in most cases you don't and when you do it's nothing but at least like anyone who wants to review records not that the job really exists anymore they usually grow up playing lots of music anyway and you can do other things while you're playing music but reading a book is an undertaking you know especially like it's, if it's a novel <laughs> yeah yeah so exactly yeah i've turned down yeah i've probably turned down more book reviews that i've taken up for for that reason because i mean you know i don't mind doing it but you want to be paid something for wading through a novel yeah. To then and then write something about it. That's a big amount of work. And, and I think also that um, the reviews need to be. Oh, for me and what I'm trying to do with the reviews at the punch mm. is that they need to be more than just a rehashing of what happened yes. in the book yeah. and whether the person reviewing it liked it or didn't. Yeah, like yeah. Because that's um, sort of irrelevant, really, too. Like, I think it, so. It I think, should be about a a context, but also an emotional response to something. I think. Yeah, and, and how it fits into kind of a bigger, or yeah, yeah, bigger yeah. kind of yeah, that's what I mean. The context of yeah, context of who the writer is and the themes of the book, like not just not just relaying the plot. And I think actually, I think one of the worst uh, things for that is actually our local theatre reviewing. They just you know. Um, plotspoiler.com basically oh, you know? really? like, oh yeah it's <laughs> terrible and you know the newspaper is shocking at it they just send these old guy, old white guys who've been around forever to just go and ruin the plot and then say you know like spoilers are not okay don't bo <laughs> don't bother or get along and it's like well either way you've totally fucked it for us so you know because I think reviewing <laughs> I think reviewing can move more into that sort of um, critical space and yes. by that I mean not not being critical of works, but talking critically about yes. how works are working in yeah, yeah. You know, context whatever, of society yeah. and and yeah. So I think and I think that's more interesting. So it's more like a each review is part of a, a bigger dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm hoping that will happen. Some and there should also be you know uh, a good piece of writing, you yeah. know, whether funny or entertaining or whatever, like, but entertaining in the, entertaining is a better word because they're, you know, they don't have to be funny at all. And sometimes if they're funny, they're not that well written because the person's trying too hard to put jokes into something, but just entertaining in the idea that you, you got, it was an experience reading about the work, like reading the review was its own experience. Yeah. Yes. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I read, like, I try to read, you know, other... I mean, yeah. I, I'm always looking for reviewers. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm out reading other of people's reviews. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like, on Lampour Review online. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and looking for people who can do that. Mm, mm, and, mm. yeah, so it's... Mm. Yeah, I think I think reviews... I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. No. Really, in that space. It feels... I mean, 
I think like it feels like the death of reviewing is has already happened, but like people are just ignoring it and wading through it, and I kind of like that because um, you know what I'm finding with music reviews is there isn't really a whole lot of uh, interest in an album review now, but it doesn't mean that music writing is dead. Yeah, and I think it's going to be the same. It is the same for books and theatre and movies and anything else is that people actually want to go deeper um, and get things like, you know, reappraisals, wider context, um, as well as like roundups and things like that. So maybe the, the old-fashioned idea of a review is, is in some sense dying out. And I pe- think so. People argue that they can, you know, you know, who's it for now? Because like the fans have already accessed, if not the work, the, the information around it already because they... They're quicker to it. Yeah. You know, like the fans are generally quicker to it. I think so. about my um my favourite reviewers. Um I listen to Komodo Mayo's film review. Oh, the yeah, BBC yeah, yeah, podcast. Yeah. Um Yeah, they're great. They are. And mm. they what what is really happening there is I mean, he is an amazing mm. sharp reviewer, but yeah. he does also relate every film review back to that kind of wider Yeah, pop you know, culture yeah. and yeah. But also there's a community that they've built. Yeah, and I yeah. think that... That's well, that's exactly what it's about, becoming yeah. a bit more curatorial and fostering a community. And you go where you trust, you know, a person's, you know... You, you know. I always I always get a bit frustrated with this line, um, I don't always agree with... Like, that should be a given. Like, you shouldn't be reviewing... You shouldn't be reading reviewers just to agree with them. I feel like that's a given, that you should be reading them because you understand how they've arrived at something. Yeah, and to find new yeah. perspectives. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. why I like to read them. Is, yeah. So if I've read a collection of poetry, I like to read other people's, or if I've reviewed one, yeah, 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 totally. I like to read other people's reviews. Yeah, what so was their I, take? Yeah, you know? exactly. How, so did they really get, how did they get so wildly different to me, and yet I can totally see how they had that experience? I think those, and, and those, I mean, those are the conversations that happen, at, you know, like when you get a whole group of people together who like to read or a whole mm. group of writers then you start saying oh did you read this and oh yes I read this and yeah. what did you think and then and then that is the conversation I think that people want to engage in yeah um, yeah yeah I often often think that it would be I mean it's not kind of financially viable but to get yeah. like four people to read yes. the same work and then like a discussion about it yeah, um, yeah. Which is well, that's where things like, I guess, this, like podcasts yeah. are, are coming. I mean, I was listening to a an American podcast for a while where it was a book group where each month they took a different kind of classic music book and four of them talked about it. But unfortunately, they were they were pretty useless in their response to it. You know, like they were, they were clearly mates that were having a beer and having a laugh and, and sometimes one of them wouldn't have read it at all and... And their actual concept around their analysis was pretty piss weak. You know, they were sort of... So you weren't getting much out of it. I I, I had to... Because it was frustrating me. Because it was like, I've already read... In most cases, I've already read these books. But it was an interesting thing to... I I, I thought the the premise is great. Like, what they've got is great. And, you know, if I could listen to, like, you know, Nick Bollinger's sampler is great. But if I could listen to Nick Bollinger and Graham Reid discussing something and possibly coming at it from different angles that would be really cool yeah you know and so i think maybe we'll get into that sort of domain yeah well that like i think about um pip adams better off Red. oh yeah yeah. you know so there's it's yeah. that sort of dialogue yeah yeah um 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just such... I'm a big fan of podcasts. Yeah. They, yeah. They're probably the media I consume the most. Yeah, it's become that way for me. And, I mean, the only problem I have with them is, like, in a perfect world, I'd like to be able to listen to a podcast and read at the same time because yeah. I can listen to music and read, you know, like, yeah. and I can... Really? Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. Because um, I've done it since I was eight. Yeah, you know, like, no, I so can't do I, that. I always can. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, there's got to be, there's certain, you know, I'm not going to put on Slayer and read, yeah. and, and, and read one of your books, you know, but I might put on... That would be, I don't know, that could be like, this could be the new thing, we could have like album... <laughs> like like album, bear matching, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but... <laughs> But I mean, I could put on Brian Eno or Ray yes. Sheen or something like that and, and read poetry or whatever novel I'm reading or whatever non-fiction, you know. So I, I have found more and more so as, as years go on, I'm, I'm more into instrumental music when I'm reading. Like, words get in, do get in the way. If it's something that's kind of classic that I know so well, that then that's not a problem as well. But I kind of, I don't know how that arrived, just, just listening to tapes when I was a kid and reading. You know? I think it sort of started off as listening to Guns N' Roses and reading Garfield, you know, like yeah. <laughs> at 10 years old or whatever. So it was, or Footrot Flats. So it was kind of pretty easy to flip the pages and just like have, have the choice. You trained your brain. That's, I think so, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It's funny how, because I just don't think it's weird to listen to music and read. But there are times when I'm concentrating on something where I'll, like particularly reading online, I've just about always got music going, occupational sort of hazard, and I will click out of the music. I'll have to pause it because I'm reading. Because you're reading, a yeah. Intense, you know, passage or whatever, or I'm, or I realise I've missed. I actually have flicked over into that auto mode where I'm like, I know I've just read that, but I have. You scanned I've it. Sca- yeah, yeah, exactly. And I want, and I know I want to go deeper with that, so I'll, you know, I will have a bit of that. Yeah. But, uh, but podcasts, obviously it's impossible and it's not so much that I've entertained the thought but I just think, wow, I love listening to them but I also feel guilty that I'm not, you know... Fully attending to them? Or, or, or that oh, I've that got you're the books piling else, up yeah. that I'm not doing the reading because I'm <laughs> I do the, I, Yeah, well, I listen to them while I'm running or doing the vacuuming mm, or, like, mm. doing, moving my body in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Driving or... Yeah. Um, yeah, they're great at the gym and they're also great in the car, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty hooked on. Uh, so what? So what outside of NPR and and those sorts of ones are you listening to? Um, I listen to. You mentioned um, Pips one, which is uh, yeah. I think we're both um, previous guests on. Yes, we are. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> and, and I'm a big and Pips going to come and talk to me for this. I'm going to wait until her new book's out, I suppose. Yeah, yeah I'm really excited about. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. A few good things, but um, but yeah, her podcast is great. Yeah. yeah, I actually, I most I don't listen to um, many book podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. I listen to yeah movie review. I listen to yeah serial, This American Life, yeah. uh, Radio Lab, yeah. Um, how I built this, which is um, about how entrepreneurs built their companies, right. yeah, which yeah. I find fascinating. Yeah. Just because as, I am as not, a poet, that's perfect. And not that <laughs> sort of person at all. <laughs> I'm, I just I just find it absolutely yeah, fascinating how yeah. these Did people you, can risk yeah, so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So mm. yeah, uh, Lena Dunham's uh, Woman of the Art, mm-hmm. which was quite interesting. So, but a lot of storytelling podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a one I've just got onto um, that you might enjoy that I'm, I'm really liking is. Um, uh, Laura Marling, the musician, she's done one, and it's called Reversal of the Muse, and she is sort of talking to people involved in music, but um, but only women, 
and oh, try and getting and, and and talking through what's great. I mean, she's an amazing musician, but even if you don't know her work, she's sort of talking through a lot of her frustrations with I the bet industry. That brings up a lot of stuff through talking to you know. So she's got like obviously she's talking to a lot of other female musicians, but she's gone and found like a record producer and saying why is that such a rarity? You know, why is it a rarity to find a, a woman who's a record producer? Or she goes and talks to a woman who runs a guitar shop. And, you know, she's used to walking into guitar shops and having people look at her like, I bet you don't know what you're doing. And she's a fucking ace guitar player. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's been really good. That's Great, good, what was that one called? It's called Reversal of the Muse. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, that's real cool. Um, well, we should probably wrap up. I, I, I want to get you to read a couple of um, things. Is there anything yeah. you want to um, bring up before that, though? No. Have I, cause I, 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 think really, you've, I think you've covered my yeah, entire life history. Good. <laughs> yeah, as, as a, well, as a writer, at least, yeah. which was the aim. But, yes. um, yeah, you're going to read something from each, is that right? Yeah, For, well, I could read one of the um, Death Row poems, if you like. Hey, yeah. Okay. Um, this is, I read this at the uh, launch of this book, and I've never, um, after reading it, the I've never heard such thick silence. Wow. <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's called Dennis Doet. 44, auto seller, executed 7th of March, 2001. The girls are young buttonwoods, he decides. Their mottled trunks will shed their camouflage, a tan of silvery fuzz of bark that peels back to expose the skin. While he drags her to the rear of his truck, he thinks, I'm fucking sick of selling cars in Humble. He walked this pipeline for hours as a kid, seesawing from foot to foot, humming. He knew all the best places where the trees grew together tightly, arthritic against the scud. The rottenest of trees would hollow out, overnight it seemed. In a woody crevice, he hid a tin race car and a cheap bottle of beer, tied in a bundle with rope. At the bowling alley, she'd glanced at him and his son. He'd felt young, like a buck. I am so sorry for what you all had to go through. I am so sorry for what all of you had to go through. I can't imagine losing two children. If I was y'all, I would have killed me. You know, I am really so sorry about it. I really am I got to go. Sister, I love you. You'll take care. Gracie was beautiful. Tiffany was beautiful. You had some lovely girls. The bundle's still there in the damp mulch and rodent mess. The race car's wheels have frozen up, the paintwork split. Fucking ruined, he thinks, and throws her against the pipe where a small crack pisses water. Nothing is working right today. His son's trousers are saturated around the zipper and the wind rains seeds in spiralling parachutes that irritate his eyes until they swell, weepy and red. There's that silence. 
See, I, I've, I've, um, I've only had this happen one other time with Hattie Baker when she was here early on reading, and I said to her, you know, it's such a, a weird but brilliant experience for me because obviously this gets released as a podcast and people are listening to it, but yeah. right now it's audience of one, which I don't know, if yeah. that, I don't know how weird that is for you, um, but it's certainly weird in a, in a real treat kind of way for me. Well, for me, when I... Um when I edit, I read out loud yeah. to myself. But yeah. also, like, I read this collection entirely out loud to my partner when right. I edited it. So wow. it's been read to an audience, <laughs> audience yeah. of one already. Wow. Um, yeah, okay. I'll read from Adasababa, which is a long poem um, about a man whose um, wife dies in the Ethiopian civil war in the 90s, and then he um, immigrates to New Zealand. It is cold in Wellington. I wait in the immigration office. Every season of this year, a winter. The sun, a pale scar. A woman walks towards me across the bouncy carpet, between the pillars of native wood. Kyoto, she says, salanta, and offers her hand. At her desk, we look over the forms, these rumpled old friends. She raises her blonde head, smoothing her hair. There, she says, and there. She points to the questions she has highlighted in bold yellow. You need to answer these too. She smiles, her hand rests lightly. Shall I read them out? She asks, as if lightness is a face she often wears. I say, I have good English, I'm a translator. But she reads to me, pointing and smiling. She makes sure I understand. New Zealand welcomes people who will contribute to our country. We believe migrants help us develop and strengthen our relationship with other parts of the world. We can impose requirements. If you don't meet those requirements, you may become liable for deportation. You and any family applying must be of good character, whatever the category. I am without family, I say. No brothers or sisters, she asks and scans the form for evidence. They're happy in Ethiopia, I say. And why do you want to move to New Zealand? She asks, as a bayer, pen, taps at the table. First, smoke, carrying across the city, a bridge to visible light, down into the sewers. Then there were flames, my broken voice and other thin voices in the distance. I searched. On the street I begged a man. I put my hands on his throat to seal his wound with my skin. Soldiers ripped the uniforms from their bodies. How easily identity can be discarded. Then it was dusk again. I've been offered a job at the university, I say. Mm. Yeah, it's, very, it's it's so weird because I'm also listening to you directly as well as under headphones. So not only by an audience of one, but I'm kind of hearing it in this weird sort of stereo way. Um, it's fascinating. I, that makes me want to go back and read that workbook again. That's good. <laughs> because, as I say, I, 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 I liked it. I, I, I liked it, but I did read it cover to cover once 
uh, over over a couple of sittings. Like yeah. it didn't plough all the way through. I'm sure you could read it, but it's too intense to read it all the way through. I think actually what it needs is to go to it and read because it's six long yes. poems. Yeah, just yeah. to read one poem at a time, and then yeah. and then leave it for a month and then yeah. read another one. Yeah, um, and so that's what I want to do with it. But uh, you know, I, d- I mean, some po- you know, it's always different. Some poetry volumes you can read right through. And, yeah, and yeah. some you. you particularly if you're revisiting them, obviously. But, um, yeah, wow, that was cool. That was cool. So third book is kind of tentatively underway? It is, it's or, definitely underway. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, so I've, I've written, I don't know, the first 10, 15 pages um, and workshopped them. Yeah. And so I'll just keep on writing. But I think it's going to be slow. So these, I feel, feel like these two came out... Yeah. Like reasonably close together. Um, yeah. And that was on purpose. Like yeah. I, I, I knew that once I finished the well, PhD. Well, you'd live with the first one, particularly for yeah, some for a long time. time. Yeah, and yeah. then the, I had the momentum of the PhD, and I had to finish that project of the PhD into a book. It was that classic line uh, I think of Elvis Costello's that every musician lives with their debut album their whole life, and then, yeah. and then they've got <laughs> 15 months to follow it up or whatever. You yeah. Know, like and, and and people that used to be the whole thing behind the you know, sophomore slump and people saying that the second one wasn't as good with an album. I think it's harder. I yeah. actually think the second is harder than, yeah. which than is, the first. Which is why you're prouder. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, and so, yeah, I'm working on the third, but I think yeah. I'll probably give it three or four years. Um, right. Like, I really want to give it space. Yeah. I want, to, I want it to... Um, I don't want to put any pressure on it to become until mm. it's... Until it, is ready to become. Yeah, yeah. And but obviously I'll keep on writing, and I do. I am interested in writing um, some more uh, essays about New Zealand yeah. writers, yeah. and also some more personal essays. So I've started to do that a little bit. Right. Yeah. 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 So that might re- find some realization before the third volume. Yeah. 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 Cool. Hey. Well, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. Is there Thank anything you. else that you want to? No. That was. It was great. It was great cool. to talk. So